members of indigenous communities lack basic resources. So illegally trafficking night monkeys is an easy way for them to make money. Hi, I'm Jordan Jones, editor of Latin America Reports. Welcome to our podcast, where we will be discussing Latin American stories for a global audience. Today, we'll be talking about illegal wildlife trafficking in the Amazon. We'll also give you a roundup of the most interesting stories of the week. This is Latin America Reports. Angela Maldonado is a wildlife conservationist based in Leticia, a city located in the Colombian Amazon bordering Brazil and Peru. She works to protect vulnerable night monkeys from being illegally trafficked, often for medical testing or for commercial trade. As you can imagine, curbing illegal trafficking in the Amazon is anything but an easy task and has ramifications for more than just the adorable primates. Latin America Reports journalist Sophie Foggen spoke to her to find out more about the situation for an article she's writing. And we've got Sophie with us here today. Hey, Sophie. Hi, Jordan. Thanks for having me. So, Sophie, tell me, this is a really interesting topic. What prompted you to start investigating this story in the first place? So last month, I saw the news of the Lima Declaration, um, which came out of a conference held in Peru in October. And basically, all the countries who participated um, from the Americas declared illegal wildlife trafficking as a serious transnational crime. So thinking this would be a great idea for a story, I got in touch with a friend of mine who works at the Wildlife Justice Commission, who explained that it would be difficult to do a general story on illegal wildlife trade. He suggested that I get in contact with uh, Angela, who works conserving Colombian night monkeys in Leticia, and a story that I thought could originally be quite straightforward turned into something far more complex, exposing links with indigenous communities and the story of those who fight against the business, environmental leaders, and the huge criminal network which lies behind it. That's really interesting. So tell me more about uh, Angela. Like, who is she? Um, do you know how she got involved in this kind of work? Go ahead. So Dr. Angela Maldonado is a conservationist who's based in Leticia. She's been there since 1998, working to protect the endangered Colombian night monkey, which is the Amazon rainforest's only nocturnal primate. This work has led her to co-found the NGO Fundación Entropica, which is the main vehicle she uses to carry out her fight against the illegal trafficking of the night monkeys. And through her work at Entropica, she's found herself in a series of legal battles against the groups illegally trafficking the night monkeys as a result of her reporting their actions to the Colombian authorities. So who are the main groups involved with illegal trafficking of night monkeys in Leticia? So the main group involved are biomedical researchers who have used the night monkeys for testing on diseases such as malaria. Of course, Research with animals must be carried out with animals that are grown in captivity, but taking the wild monkeys out of their habitat and using them is cheaper. So companies have been trafficking both illegally and legally. But so who is actually doing the trafficking? Is it the companies themselves or, are, or do they have people on the ground who represent them? Uh, I guess that, that part is a little unclear to me. So the companies themselves aren't doing the trafficking. They effectively subcontract 
members of indigenous communities to do this work for them. So one of the communities who have been heavily involved in the illegal trafficking are the Tikuna peoples of Brazil, Colombia and Peru. And the, one of the main reasons why these people get involved in the business is because it's an easy way of making money. Most of these communities lack basic resources such as drinking water, sanitation, education. So illegally trafficking night monkeys is an easy way for them to make money. So you said that one of the main reasons behind uh, the illegal trafficking of animals uh, is for, for medical research. But that can't be the only market. What other reasons or, or motivations is, are there behind uh, moving these animals illegally? So another industry that um, relies heavily on the illegal trafficking of night monkeys is actually the tourist industry. And it's all emerged out of this concept of selfie tourism, where basically tourist operators in the Amazon send groups of tourists on day trips to small villages, which are often uh, where indigenous communities live. And they expect to have animals, wild animals there, so that they can take their perfect photos. So like the cute Instagram pictures of people you know, in the Amazon with, with monkeys draped over them. These are actual animals that were stolen from their, their habitat or, or like, is that what you're saying? Yeah, they're wild animals who have been moved from, removed from their natural habitat and kind of placed into these villages. So, so tell me about uh, Angela uh, and what is her, to, what is her team doing to, to combat this? So um, Angela and her team at Entropica, besides kind of organizing operations alongside authorities, which they did in Peru in a town called Puerto Alegría, to return the animals, the wild animals, back to their natural habitat. Um, her team at the NGO have identified the root cause of the problem, um, which they believe is basically fueling the illegal wildlife trafficking, and that is the fact that these communities, the indigenous communities, lack basic necessities. They don't have other options. There is no any economic activity in the area. There is no support from the government, especially. So they really don't have an income. Mm. No, they are completely neglected. By so the, they by focus the their work government. on the social and economic transformation of these communities through activities such as computing classes, educating the communities, helping to install drinking water, and working on initiatives like video projects to help preserve the collective memory of the communities which she feels is something that's at risk because these communities are changing. She says um, the indigenous people are kind of no longer this romanticized ideal that protect the land and the, and the flora and the fauna. They're losing their culture because of opportunities to make easy money. Uh, I, I want to go back to something you said um, around uh, Dr. Angela and, and the work that she does. Through kind of inadvertently um, meeting the needs of the community, she's trying to, um, I guess, essentially remove the need to illegally traffic animals. So I imagine that that would have some repercussions to her team and uh, efforts like that. Does her team face any kind of danger? Yeah, in fact, uh, the work they do is extremely dangerous. Just in August this year, her team at Entropica received a death threat for the work they were doing in Puerto Alegría. And if they see me or any person but from said that she had heard from members of the community that they were getting unhappy with the fact that Entropica was taking away their main source of income. This this kind of intimidation doesn't surprise Angela, she's used to it. I 
in Tropica has also been the subject of smear campaigns and intimidations in the past uh, because of the work they do. Sophie, in the past you've written some about uh, threats to social leaders, and I know we have another piece coming out um, about the violence to uh, pre-candidates and political candidates in, in Colombia. And I guess it was after the peace agreement, the government put in uh, initiatives or at least made declarations about protection of, of social leaders. Does this fall under that? Um, and if so, how is the government um, trying to protect them? So, yeah, Angela doesn't consider herself to be a social leader, more she describes as an environmental leader, but she still receives protection measures from the Colombian state. The National Protection Unit is currently investigating the death threat that they received in August this year. So the state has recommended that Angela and her team move location immediately. It's annoying because you are the person doing the right thing. Why I'm the one that has to leave the area so yeah, you mentioned the peace agreement. Since the peace agreement, extra measures have been put in place to protect the lives of social and environmental leaders. Although Angela doesn't believe that these methods are working effectively, she says she expects to receive at the most um, a bulletproof vest and a panic button for the threats that she are currently facing her life. Well, wow. so did you get a sense that um, she was hesitant to answer any of your questions? I imagine that. Um, there are some, some dangers for even going on the record for some of this kind of stuff. Yes, uh, so although Angela and I spoke quite fluidly uh, about her story and her opinions uh, of the current governmental measures uh, to support environmental leaders, she wasn't able to tell me exactly where she was relocating to. And when I asked her a bit more about the kind of criminality of the illegal wildlife trade, she was only able to give me kind of vague details. Even when I pushed her for more answers on this, she, she, she wasn't prepared to give me them. So it seems like there's uh, just so many moving parts to this story. You have uh, the animals, like the night monkeys themselves. You have the indigenous groups that, um, by circumstance uh, and conditions, are forced into this line of work. You have the companies that are exploiting these indigenous groups and the animals themselves. But obviously, you know, Latin American reports, we're based in, in Medellin, and we don't have, you know, a private plane to fly you out to, to the Amazon. Um, if we did, if you had a limited time on this story, um, where else would you go? Who would you talk to? Um, what are, like, the main questions that you feel are left unanswered? Yeah, so I actually pushed Angela for more contacts to speak to over the phone on this story because I felt like we needed more voices, but Angela was reluctant to pass any on purely because of safety reasons because of her current situation. So I would have liked to have traveled to Amazonas and been able to speak to the indigenous communities who are involved. This would have been difficult, but one of the real things I would like to have pried more into would have been the criminal links between all the commercial entities who are caught up in the trade. But Angela said to me that even by traveling to the region, the journalists that do that still struggle to get the information because of political corruption and because it is purely quite dangerous. The people that have a lot of power, they are very dangerous people, they bribe everyone, that's why they can't get all the permits. Yeah, to do ideally it would have helped the story to get that information, but I think just by talking to her, her story is enough. No, thank you for, thanks for writing this story. It's really interesting. Uh, I hope to see more about this um, coming up. But uh, Sophie, thank you so much for your time. Do you want to tell us what we're watching this week? Sure, thanks for having me on.
After a month of protests in Chile, the government has agreed to hold a plebiscite in April 2020, which will ask the population whether or not they wish to replace the country's dictatorship-era constitution, and, if so, who will redraft it. This is a win for the demonstrators, who paralysed the country with protests, demanding a complete social and economic overhaul after decades of increasing social inequality. In Bolivia, the political situation doesn't seem to have calmed down either, even after former President Evo Morales fled to Mexico, where he's been offered political asylum. Right-wing interim president Giannini Añez has to hold presidential elections within 90 days, but she has said that she wouldn't allow Morales to take part. The personal envoy to the UN Secretary-General, Jean Arnaud, travelled to Bolivia yesterday to help mediate the crisis. In Argentina, legislators have tried and failed eight times to pass a bill legalising abortion. They've been hampered by conservative governments and the Catholic Church. But incoming President Alberto Fernández, who will take office on December 10th, has publicly stated more than once that he will support free and legal abortion. This week, he reiterated his stance at a book signing in Buenos Aires. Thank you, Sophie. To read Sophie's article, please visit our website, latinamericareports.com, and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. That's all we've got for this week. Gracias.